with the Tennessee Oilers, red, white, and blue. With the Tennessee Oilers, gonna get all over you. Levis off the fake, looking for Hopkins. He's got it. Touchdown, Tennessee. With the Tennessee Oilers, red, white, and blue. With the Tennessee Oilers, gonna get all over you. Welcome back to Two-Tone Brews, an unaffiliated Tennessee Titans podcast. My name is Brucker, and today I am joined by Chris to have a glorious victory podcast. Chris, how are you doing? I feel like Gino. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, we have have a lot to get into. We had a very exciting Sunday with the debut of rookie quarterback Will Levis. what a fun game to watch just first off just off the bat what a fun game to watch oh yeah definitely the most fun i've had watching titans football in a while i mean just i'm a tv yeller and usually it's an anger but this one was just like oh oh yes (laughs) all the good things yeah it was fun i was i'm a tv yeller i'm also a get up and run arounder like i get up and i jump around and everything and i was uh it was which was a problem when i lived in apartments but uh this was i was just doing all sorts of dances and everything i i was expecting this to just be like an ugly dirty not boring but just like an ugly dirty game with no highlights to come out of it but holy shit we got fucking highlight reel of will levis and it's been it's been the talk of the town and I'm I'm jazzed up. I'm juiced up. I'm I'm filled with mayo right now. <laughs> Dude, it's not only been the talk of the town or the southeast. It's been the talk of the entire NFL right now. Uh, Will Levis put on that big of a show that people that normally couldn't give a rat's ass about the Tennessee Titans are, are talking this kid up. And for good reason, that was an incredible debut. Yeah. Uh, in case people don't know the stat line, uh, Titans won 28 to 23. Will Levis completed 19 of 29 uh, pass attempts for 238 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, He was the third quarterback in NFL history to have a debut with throwing four touchdowns, joining people like Fran Tarkin and Marcus Mariota. We will get into that. So two very different sides of the spectrum (laughs) of of people to, to um, to be in a class with. But uh, I was I was stoked. Besides besides Will Levis, you know it was awesome to see all the players out and the the uh, Tennessee Oilers uh, throwbacks. And of course, that whole discussion got brought back up with you know butt hurt Texans fans on the internet. And it just made me so happy to see D Hop not get one, not two, but three bomb touchdowns wearing the Oilers throwbacks, playing for the Titans. Um, Get fucked, Texans. <laughs> you really couldn't write a better uh, fuck the Texans kind of story. That was exactly what we were all hoping for. Like, oh, let's let's hope DeAndre balls. Oh, we get the rookie starting. Well, it's probably not going to be very good. Hey, he balled. It was fucking great. Yeah. yeah fuck the Texans. <laughs> just, like, just like how we planned it, right? <laughs> it, was, it was exactly what we all should have expected. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it was... It was great uh, just to like cover the touchdowns, uh, a 47 yard touchdown to uh, D hop, a 16 yard touchdown to D hop, a 61 yard touchdown to D hop and a 33 yard touchdown to uh, NWI who was clocked going 21 miles an hour on his route for that touchdown. 
So you want to know what I found to be more impressive than just the the touchdown distances is the air yards on those three deep shots. Will Levis threw touchdowns of 51.7, 55.2, and 56.1 air yards, which is, Damn. I think, the first time a rookie has done that in a single start or in their first start or something like that. Um, but that is in stark comparison to Mariota's four touchdown performance in his first ever game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, which was an incredible start to begin with. Like not going to take away that, that moment from Marcus. Uh, but this was, it felt this, it just felt different. It felt like mm-hmm. it was a revolution of the offense that we have not seen in this city for ever. Like, have we ever seen a vertical passing attack quite so aggressive in our lives? No, not really. I mean, like we saw glimpses of it occasionally with Tannehill the first two years of him, you know, being with us, I think like 2019, there's definitely a lot of uh, bombs to AJ that, you know, that come to mind, like against the Raiders, against the Texans. But it was it it was a lot of like yak yards too, like 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 hitting AJ on like, I don't know, like like a like 10, 15 yard route and then AJ doing a lot of the work. Um, And I'm happy they brought up the, the Mariota stuff because as soon as that game ended, I was talking to my uncle. And I was like, you know who else looked really fucking good <laughs> in their debut? Marcus Mariota. We all, we all know what happened there. But this is a, a completely different, you know, coaching regime. He's surrounded by different staff members, too. A different pedigree of quarterback, too. Um, they both play. Marcus and Levis played in completely different uh, styles of offenses in college. Uh, with Levis being more like pro style offense too. And I actually went back and I rewatched the, the highlights of, or I rewatched that game recap uh, of us playing the Buccaneers in Marcus's uh, first game. And like what you were saying, it was like the vertical, their throws were so different in that like Marcus, it was a lot of shorter pass. He had a couple deep ones, but it was shorter passes that uh, Nate, uh, I think it was Nate Washington at the time was just getting like just tons of yak yards. So it, very different scenarios for them to get touchdowns. Yeah. And, and I really, I remember that Marcus Mariota game like it was yesterday because I skipped out on something important I was supposed to do in order to watch it alone. <laughs> and I don't regret a single second of it. Um, My guy. <laughs> it runs deep, baby. It runs deep. Um, but just the uh, the vibe, I think, was similar. But the hopefulness, I think, is is different because with Marcus, it was a little bit of a surprise, at least from my memory, because the the fact that the Titans drafted Marcus was kind of a point of contention, even more so than with Levis, because of where we got him. You know, it's a two overall. Um, Levis at thirty three, it's like. You know, there's upside to consider, but if you have the downside, it's understandable. And so you're kind of expecting, you know, him to be average, I guess. And especially after we haven't really seen much of him except for like a half against the Bears in the first preseason game. So it's it's really like the mystique of the unknown. And, you know, well, is he going to put this talent 
on the board. We see his tape where he can kind of struggle with um, accuracy and and decision-making sometimes at college. How's this going to play out? Well, so far, so good. I mean, his his decision-making was good to decent. His footwork in the pocket was beyond his years. And the deep ball accuracy was really good. I mean, we can talk about the the middle of you know short and mid range accuracy a little bit, but he's a rookie in his first start, and he played incredibly. He was popping off the screen that you could not watch that game and come away thinking that Levis looked amazing. Yeah, no, he looked great, and not even just not even just like the the, the bomb passes like we've been talking about. Uh, you saw like the intangibles, like he had it between the ears uh, to take a phrase from you about something that Malik Willis doesn't have. Uh, while I was very impressed by the touchdown passes and everything too, I was also really impressed by some of his game situational awareness too, that he had. Uh, I think one of my favorite things that wasn't like a flashy highlight reel was the dirt pass to Derek Henry to not take a sack. Um, I thought, it was a great situation. I think I believe it was like first and ten on that play too. So great situational awareness. Just just dirt it. Don't take the sack because I feel like if that was, I feel like if that was Tannehill, he definitely would have gotten sacked. You know, lost the yards. And if that was Malik Willis, God knows what would have happened. <laughs> Malik Willis sort of ran around for fifteen seconds and then gotten sacked. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that was a great play uh, just for the awareness, like you said, because uh, Brewer completely missed his blocking assignment, and whether that's Brewer had a rough game, yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, offensive line in total played decently against kind of uh, a mid. Uh, pass rush for the Falcons, especially after Jarrett went out. But yeah, Brewer misses his assignment, and if he gets a block on there, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Chris Moore wide open for a touchdown. Like that was an easy six if he had just at least two seconds to throw, but he didn't, and he didn't panic, knowing that this play was going to work. He didn't try to force it or you know run around and risk fumbling the ball. He just said, you know what, live to fight another day pop it to to Henry's feet. It, it looked like a veteran move. It looked like something that Ben Roethlisberger has done, you know, many times when he when it wasn't there, just lived to fight another day. Um, the other one was at the very end of the game. Um, we need to keep the ball. We need to keep the clock running and force the Falcons to use their timeouts. Try They tried a little um, naked boot to uh, get, convert a third down. It wasn't there. He didn't force it. He didn't risk throwing a pick or anything like that. That would have been a disaster. He goes down with two hands on the ball safely and lets the Falcons touch him down, not tackle him, touch him. And he, they have to burn a timeout. That's huge. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. That was, that was the second thing I was going to mention too. It was awesome just seeing – That's. I, I think it's just awesome seeing all – all those things like in between the ears, like the situational awareness is so key to this. And it feels like a kind of feels like a Mike Vrabel, very like type of player, like somebody that like knows the rules really knows the, the little ticky tacky tricky things. Like let's go ahead and get them to burn their last time out before they get the ball back. And I'm just going ahead and take this sack. And again, that's, that's a veteran thing. That's not a rookie mistake of just trying to force it. You know, um, I loved, loved seeing all of that stuff. Um, I mean, I really don't have many negatives to say about him, really. I mean, 
the I guess like the only thing I have really was the 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 second touchdown pass to D Hop was a little bit behind DeAndre Hopkins and maybe a lesser wide receiver doesn't make that. But I mean, it was good to see that that was the the second one and that his other passes got better from there <laughs> as the game progressed. Yeah, and what is a rookie quarterback going to do if they're smart? They're going to throw to D hop because they know he, it doesn't have to be a perfect ball for him to snag it Mm -hmm. and make a play. And that throw had a lot of zip on it. So, you know, just trust in D hop to get it. Even if it isn't perfectly like on the numbers, you gotta, you gotta know who you're throwing to, you know, if he's throwing that to, you know, Mason Gidzi, probably not a good idea. Just zip it to <laughs> zip it to D hop and let him work because that's his that's what he does, man. Uh, if I was being nitpicky and I saw a, a couple of um, kind of breakdown videos from one from Chase Daniel and one from uh, JT O'Sullivan, two former pro quarterbacks, the uh, there were a couple of missed opportunities where maybe Levis just got greedy, but this is strictly nitpicking like those are things that are easily coachable and he wasn't he wasn't taking an opportunity away from the offense and throwing a pick he was just taking a more aggressive ball and maybe he could have got an easier first down rather than trying to like put it in a spot which he pretty much did like there was one to burks on the sidelines or there two to burks on the sidelines one Mm -hmm. was an incredible throw where uh the Falcons defensive back just made an, a great play. Like you, you can't, yeah. Oh no, you can't always defend against great play. And then the other one was the um, the one on the sideline that Burks couldn't haul in when he was actually pretty open. And uh, one of the things that I saw was Burks actually opened up pretty late. Like the ball was basically leaving Will Levis's hands by the time he actually broke open. So he threw a back shoulder on purpose, but he still missed the back shoulder. But that's one of the hardest passes in in nfl um right and these are strictly like nitpicks like these are things that the greats can mess up so um these are just coachable moments to say like look kid you were balling if you correct these other little things like now we're talking unbeatable pass offense tim kelly called an amazing game he really gave levis a lot of good plays to work with he did, and it was awesome to see that they weren't really handicapping him. At least in my opinion, I don't think they were because they really seemed to open up the playbook uh, without, you know, minus any sort of like real trick plays or anything like that. But um, it was really cool to see them trust him to just like sling that thing around the yard. And I did my homework. I, I watched the videos he sent me, and that was kind of my takeaway too. Was that he did. He, he did get a little greedy and he did try to go for a bunch of uh, deeper um, throws when he did have guys scheming, getting wide open in the middle of the field. And I think that stuff that's, that's going to be obvious to him on the tape when they do go back and study that. And uh, so I hope like stuff like that, you know, he seems coachable and everything. Um, and we were talking about Tim Kelly. The cool thing about this was that we seem to have like really good complimentary football on this game. Uh, defense played outstanding. We, we'll get to them uh, eventually. Special teams was good. And on the offense, it wasn't just Will Levis. It His passing attack opened up the run game. Well, Derrick Henry, he didn't have like an exploding, you know, like 45 yard run or anything like that. 
he 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 ran over 100 yards in this game. He had 101 yards rushing. He had a very quiet 100 yard game, but I mean, it it, it opened it up for him. And you know, uh, Ty J Spears also ran for 27 yards on just three carries. So uh, the running game was there, and you know, we had good complementary football from both passing and running. Yeah, it's definitely uh, good to see that complement between the running and the pass game because it seems like. Uh, it was far too many times in the past year or so. Uh, the pass game just hasn't been there um, for one reason or another, and uh, it, it forces the Titans' offense to be one-dimensional, and the teams just stack the box. And as good as Dan- Her- Derrick Henry is against stacked boxes, that's no way to live. You know what I mean? If you can, mm-hmm. if you can throw these deep shots and connect on them and force these safeties to stay high, then, um, then it opens everything up, and and the Falcons have two really aggressive safeties. Uh, I can't remember his name. Number twenty seven was trying to jump every route, and he's the one that got burned on a couple of them. Um, but he's probably keyed into some of these play actions, and he's he's expecting the rook to throw some errant balls, and he we didn't give him the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I. I I can't give, I feel like I can't give Will Levis any more praises besides it was awesome. And it, it, the whole stadium just in the team, you just, it just felt like there's just, everybody was juiced up for this, you know, like the, the sideline was going crazy. Felt like the offensive line was playing better for him. And um, I don't know if you saw all of the, the mic'd up stuff with Jeffrey Simmons that came out after the game, but Jeffrey Simmons was just getting so hyped on the sidelines. He was like saying things like, I told you all about him. And like, you know, that that's Will Damn Levis. And like, it was just really cool <laughs> to see like the rest of the players just be like juiced up and jazzed about him. Um, so it was awesome. And also just seeing like his friends and family, like in the stadium, getting all excited too. It, it was just, it was a really cool moment to like watch all of that too. And it was like, yeah, that's like, that's why I like this team. Cause I remember what it was like when, when things are going well and the whole team is just, you know, there for each other and everything. It was like, fuck yeah, this feels like 2019. I love it. Yeah. The vibes were on a net, on another level. Yeah. I, I especially loved the shots of his family celebrating after every touchdown. Cause they just got in more and more disbelief over how amazing it was. Like his dad's reactions to each one were just like mouth more and more agape each time, especially after that absolutely beautiful dime to NWI. The one of the best throws I've seen all season from any quarterback. Oh my god! Like that is, that was such a highlight. Rolling out to his right, on his back foot, guy in his face flicks it. Two dudes, two dudes in his face, flicks it over fifty yards in the air, perfectly threw him open, threw him open, perfectly on a dime. No one's getting that ball besides NWI. And credit to NWI, that was a great route. He burned his man. He did not slow up a second until the ball was in his hand, and he and he put it down. Man, what a yeah. play, dude! And NWI, that's his third touchdown. I know we're what now eight weeks, nine weeks into the season, um, but you know, <laughs> touchdowns have not been a <laughs> have been at a premium for this team. So, uh, and it was cool to see Will Levis double the amount of touchdowns thrown all season in one game, but uh. I'm stoked about NWI this year. I mean, he's been he's been Mr. Reliable, and I've been really happy with him. C- kind of curious to see what we do with him at the end of the season. Um, and uh, just to talk about some of the other people on offense, 
I also noticed that Kyle Phillips was getting way more involved in this game, especially on third downs. Uh, he had a few crucial third down catches. Uh, they also had that really uh, Tim Kelly called like a, a quick screen pass to him that almost worked. It was a long. It was a third and long. I think I think he ended up getting being like two or three yards short. But um, you know, it it was great seeing him being involved and not in the punt game. Uh, he did return one punt, but he fair catched it. I was like, good, <laughs> you're not allowed to catch the ball on punts. But um, you know, it was it was it was just cool to kind of and Derrick Henry was on the field way more. The split between him and Spears was way more in the favor of Henry on this game, which was interesting going into the trade deadline. Um, but uh, I, I was happy to see that uh, some people step up and everything, outside of Will Levis too uh, in this game. Yeah, I thought I thought um, Phillips played really well. He was open on a lot of plays that didn't go to him. You know, maybe he was just the third read. And but he was open. He was getting open. His routes were looking good. And um, NWI, you, Mr. Reliable, like you said, is it a, is it crazy to say that he's better than Traylon Burks right now? Statistically, yeah, he is. I mean, it, uh, I don't. I mean, Burks. He's been on and off the field, and while NWI, I feel like is never hurt. Um, yeah, I mean, we could Burks. I'm I'm kind of like holding any sort of opinions i'm just i'm kind of like in a wait and see mode with him because it's like i know that he can't be the superstar if he you know if whatever something changes for him but uh i I feel like he's still trying to get his footing and being a nfl professional wide receiver right now yeah i I don't i don't say that to mean that i think that nwi is better than burks but it is a conversation we can start to think about having because NWIs, he's never really been bad. Like he's been below average. He's been average this year. I think he's a, he's a little bit above average compared to like a wide receiver four. You know, th- throughout the league, he's been he's been really good. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to see that. Maybe we'll have like four or five solid wide receivers. That's going to be a good thing for this offense if we're going to continue to air it out. And then um, a. a disappointing player in my opinion was Chico Conquo. He left a lot of yards on the field. He dropped a, that pass that is I get it's a little bit behind him but it's he turns around and it hits him in the chest. That is 10 out of 10 a professional football player catches that. Like you you could have had the offensive lineman on a trick play catch that pass. Um so that yeah. was kind of inexcusable. Well, then he turns around and makes good catch like diving um you know diving down a scoop above the turf and like I, I don't get it. Just I guess throw him balls that are not at his chest, and he might <laughs> catch him. <laughs> don't hit him in the hands. Don't hit him in the hands. Throw it at his knees. Like let it make him work for it. He he does better that way. His hand, his hands are ticklish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like he had a dropsy day. It was it was literally like the one big play he dropped, and that to me was the other impressive thing about Will Levis. Uh, ironically, it was that. He threw for 238 yards, and he could have been pushing for 300 if uh, if Chig caught that and kept the drive going. Because that was also, like I think, like a 30-yard pass or something. And that would have kept the drive alive. And also, if the penalty that that I got called on on that Chris Moore play didn't happen, he... He was looking for, like, a monster day with yardage. I mean, so he could have easily had at least a fifth touchdown if one of those drives stayed alive yeah that that chris moore 
uh, play was especially frustrating because Moore ran a good route. It was an easy read for Levis, and he he hit him perfectly in stride. That was an underrated throw because it didn't count, but that was a strike. Moore didn't even have to yes. move his hands. It was like right there, just in the natural, almost a natural running motion of his arms, right in his hands. Easy 25-yard play wiped off the field because someone lined up wrong. I mean, that's that's the epitome of frustrating. Um, but it, it didn't seem like these penalties were as destructive as they have been in the past because if you got a 10-yard penalty, you know, against the Saints last week one, it's fucking done. You might as well just punt on second down because it doesn't matter. Um, it, it didn't feel like we were out. Uh, due to yardage lost on penalties or, or whatever. Um, so I think that goes into my like hope springs eternal kind of outlook on uh, on Levis moving forward. Obviously, we'll get into the Steelers matchup, which is going to be um, just as intimidating as the Falcons should have been. Um, and he, he dotted them up. So, man, I... What, what more can we say? What a what a fucking game! I just I'm in disbelief at, at parts of it. Yeah, no, it's it's been great, and I think like with all of the praises we've been giving, the whole subreddit has been, been alive with awesome memes. Uh, and I think it's just been that much more jarring for some people to see about how unwilling Vrabel has been to give him any props in the pressers. And I also found it, uh, the pressers don't surprise me. I'll, I'll circle back to that. But what did surprise me was that from seeing the locker room victory speech that Vrabel gave, he didn't mention Will Levis at all in the cut we saw. I mean, is there a conspiracy that Vrabel asked him to cut out him giving the game ball to Will, to Will Levis? I don't know. Did did you happen, have you heard, I don't know if you heard about like Tunnelgate. Did you see the video that Teron Davenport Davenport posted of Will Levis and Vrabel in the tunnel after the game. You know, I, I heard about it and I made the conscious decision not to look it up. It's it, I, I will admit it was odd. And it, it was after the game and everything, you know, Vrabel's at like the end of the tunnel to, you know, like greet the players as like they go in and it's just them two in the tunnel. Like there's nobody else. And Will Levis comes and like, they kind of like bump, uh, they bump, they fist bump. And then, Vrabel's back is to the camera, but you can see Will Levis' face and his expression the whole time is kind of it's it's kind of like neutral, neutral to semi-surprised. It's not like it doesn't look like he's receiving good news or anything. And um, and with so I don't know. I I think that this is all just like classic Mike Mike Vrabel trying to like humble dudes and not get them too high or whatever, um, kind of thing. I don't think. I'm not buying into people. I've, I've heard a lot of rumors of people being like, Oh, Will Levis wasn't Rabel's guy. So he doesn't, he just doesn't want it to work out. I think that's like a really stupid take. I, I don't think that's true at all. I think he's, there's a classic Mike Rabel being from the Bill Belichick tree and being a dick to his star athletes, just to, just to keep, keep them wanting to work harder. Yeah. Okay. There, there's two points on that. Uh, first is of course, Will Levis is Mike Vrabel's guy because he was in the fucking draft room and we all know the power that Vrabel holds um, in player acquisition in the current Titans organization. Um, they chose Vrabel over uh, John Robinson because John Robinson wasn't getting done and Vrabel was pissed about the player acquisition. So I fully believe that Vrabel 
has more power than the average head coach when it comes to that. So no shit. Yes, he was. They traded up. They traded up to get Will Levis. Vrabel had to approve of that. Um, so I, I'm going to like put the brakes on that little conspiracy right there. Um, the second is uh, I, I 100% agree with you. The style of Mike Vrabel is to keep everybody hungry. So you can't walk off the field and he's going to, you know, it's not going to be that Coca-Cola commercial where he's, he like hands him the Jersey <laughs> and he's like, Hey kid, no, 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 no. He, he knows that he's dealing with professional athletes and they uh, don't want to be complacent. He wants them to have drive all the time. So he's not going to, um, at least publicly praise Will Levis too much. He's a rookie. He's got a veteran quarterback, right? Right next to him. Um, I think he wants to show respect to Tannehill as a veteran. And I think he wants to show respect to Malik Willis as the guy he replaced. And so he's not going to sit here and just spit in their face by, um, you know, by, by kissing Will Levis's feet in the media. Like that's not his style. He's not going to kiss anybody's feet, let alone a, a rookie's feet. And um, he told Will Levis and probably the rest of the team, you got an hour. You have until, what was it, 5 o'clock, I guess. Because uh, I don't know if you saw this, too. Will Levis, in his post-game press uh, conference, he, uh, a reporter asked him about you know how, how he felt about the game or how excited he was, and he said, oh, what time is it? Oh, I got, I got 12 minutes. I got 12 minutes to be happy about it. And then we're on to the next game. That's that's Vrabel through and through. So maybe that's what he told him in the, in the tunnel. He's like, hey, man. Don't get too excited, but you got like one hour. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I I think that's I think you're spot on because also let's think about what Vrabel's trying to do here. He's trying to coach up his rookie. Besides, you know, like don't get like don't be over the moon or anything right now because we got a short week. We're playing in a few days. We're playing again on Thursday, and you can't be super cocky right now. Um, so so I think I, I think it's just Vrabel just just doing his best built bill belichick um impression and just trying to keep him humble and just get him ready for thursday yeah 100 percent. and uh mm-hmm. he better be ready for thursday steelers got a good defense that's a sneaky yeah. good team it's an away game it's a prime time game it's gonna be cold as shit you're playing against a team that is also extremely well coached uh so it, it it's gonna be, it's gonna be a real 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 uh test for him uh, and I know I know that we've been running a l- little bit longer on this first game, but I, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up before we transition. Uh, and it was the packages that they were doing with Malik Willis when he did go out there. And the whole, you know, Vrabel the week before being like, oh, b- both quarterbacks are going to play. It's going to be rotating, blah, blah, blah. I think based on what we saw, uh, obviously it was a Mike Vrabel smoke screen, but... I think based on what they saw, they're wanting to use Malik Willis kind of like a Taysom Hill almost and putting him in like these kind of like wildcat formations where he gets the ball and his job is to like option or run with it. And I think that's what they're trying to do with him going forward. Uh, I mean, he's, I don't, I guess he's the backup too right now, but um, I'm not against the idea of them doing like run plays with him. Cause he's fucking fast and hard to bring down. But, uh, I just, I, I, I felt a little bad for him when he came in on that first snap and he fumbled the ball. Cause the fumble wasn't on him. 
I would have liked to have seen him have more effort in trying to pick up the fumble because he just it, it looked like he just watched it go by him. But uh, I don't, how do you feel about them trying to do like these wildcat or option plays with with Malik? Uh, I got to say, I had not considered him as the Taysom Hill uh, archetype. Um, I I don't like it. I straight up don't like it. Um, I don't. This is nothing against Willis. But I don't want to see him on the field. It, it, we would have for me to be okay with Malik being on the field is because we don't have another option. I'm just to that point with him, and I know that the fumble wasn't his fault. That was a, a really bad snap by Brewer. So it's kind of uh, I don't want to have like revisionist history saying that he he played badly. He was only on the field for two snaps, um, but. I just I can't get down with the fact that you're going to have a, 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 a real quote unquote real quarterback and a gadget quarterback. If if he's Taysom Hill, then he's running routes and he's catching and I don't know, kicking a fucking field goal. But <laughs> he's not <laughs> he's not doing that. And so it tips the hand uh, of the offense too much. Even if it's an RPO, you know that he's not going deep. So you just go up to the line. I don't know. I, I just, I'd have to see more of good things and from Willis in the past to be okay with it. Um, I just, I remember just, t- I was just ranting to the void and uh, unfortunately my wife was within earshot and I was just like, just get this guy off the fucking field. And then they're like, he fumbled. I was like, of course he did. Cause nothing good ever, ever happens. I'm like, I know it's not his fault, but goddamn, it's just uh, bad luck follows him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of feel for the guy with all the boos that came out, and th- everybody talked about it. The boos were towards Vrabel for trying to do this idiotic <laughs> every other series quarterback scheme. Um, but I will say, Vrabel did say that they did plan to have Malik more involved, but they got away from it as the game went on. I think that's just because Willis, or I'm sorry, Will Levis, god damn it, uh, showed that you know he, he could just sling it and he, he he was a game manager he was doing he was doing a fine job we didn't need to test the waters with malik either um okay uh i feel like that we've talked a lot about this game uh i just want to also say give props to the defense jeffrey simmons was a hungry hungry angry angry motherfucker in this game and it was awesome seeing him just him in landry just decapitating ritter all game um that was awesome. In fact, we got Ritter bench and he's in art Smith announced today that he's benching him again for their next game. And Heineke's a starter going into week nine. Yeah. They did not give Ritter much chance to move the ball at all. I think they had sub 50 yards in the first half uh, passing. And uh, it's probably a lot of that sack yardage because they got to him a lot. He was on the ground. Um, and it, that defensive front looked real nasty. Uh, Ritter was shaken from the beginning and uh, yeah, you can't, can't say enough about uh, Jeff Simmons and the Harold Landry resurgence is the first time we've seen Landry pop on the screen. So uh, I'd love to see more of that because we really need him involved uh, coming back from his injury. So if this is any sort of indication about where he's at in his recovery, both physically and mentally after returning from a long-term injury, then, uh, Maybe we maybe we got something good with him, and, and we we weren't kind of screwed over by that contract and injury uh, timing. Right. Yeah. And 
I'm just I'm just so excited about the defense is looking early, you know, Simmons, Landry, we just talked about is looking good. Um I'm curious to see how they do against the Steelers in the Thursday night game. Um so is there anything else from this game you want to mention before we transition? Yeah, so we did see uh the first game without Kevin Byard. We cannot forget. Um as oh, as good as right. yeah, as I mean the defensive line still a show, but um Molden was out there a lot and I think he did a good job. Um Christian Fulton had a, a good game by his standards. And let's be honest, like these Falcons receivers aren't world beaters. They don't have any like tier one wide receivers on their team. So if someone, if you need to look good, this is the time to do it. So I think it was a good startup, like kind of warm up game for Molden being, uh, he looked like he's a, the number one strong safety now. Uh, and then I'm, I kind of want to see Edmonds come in against the Steelers, his old team. That's kind of an, a juicy little topic mm-hmm. uh, to touch on. Um, Eric Gehrer came in and, and replaced uh, oh, McCreary. Holy really about Gehrer. He was awesome. Dude, I'm president of the Eric Gehrer fan club. We established that in our first ever episode that no one probably listened to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gehrer. Actually, I must listen to episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, Gehrer, uh, I think he played all right. I mean, he did get beat on a couple balls. He, he got beat for that touchdown. But damn, like, dude was, dude was getting it. And he was returning punts. Uh, he actually had some good punt. Uh, returns and he didn't he fumble catch the ball he caught it <laughs> yes. oh my i mean that's an improvement by itself but he got like 10 15 yards a couple times wow um speaking of special teams shout out to stonehouse that's our putter dipshit he was good <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to make that a clip yeah <laughs> he he put him inside the 10 yard line i think like four straight times they they were backed up a lot because oh, yeah, of his the, good punts. There, the, whoever was fielding the, the punts for them was not doing a great job because he, he tried to catch a bunch that were within the ten. And yeah, you know, I mean Stonehouse did a great job at pinning them just within their ten to fifteen yard line. So yeah, he had it again. Complimentary football. Special teams was really good. Defense was good. Offense was great. So it was awesome to see no derping going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rare derp free game. Well, not derp free because we had a stupid illegal formation right. penalty. Low derp status game. Low derp status. Yes, I, I will give you that. Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I'm glad that we uh, didn't forget to, to mention all that before moving on. Um, Alrighty, I guess let's go ahead and right now take our little music break. Uh, we're going to play a little. Uh, music track for y'all for about i don't know like, like 50 seconds or so before we get into our thursday night game against the steelers uh chris this was your week to pick the song uh, what song you got for us i got won't trade by q-tip in honor of derrick henry staying with the team uh yes another topic that we probably should get into on the other side too for a little bit but yeah all right we'll see you guys on the other side Hey, 
Franchise this man, give him all the things you can't think long term plans. He be bringing in the fans, front page magazine. Listen to this lady scream. Awesome, awesome song choice this week, Chris. And it does, it feels like it's speaking a little bit to Levis, speaking a little bit to Henry. Um, quiet, quiet trade deadline for the Titans and also most of the league, too. I was actually surprised nothing big happened besides the commanders trading away probably their best defensive player. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a return to form, uh, return to form for the NFL trade deadline. It's been, it's historically been a kind of a mute point in the season and in, in stark contrast to like the MLB or the NBA. Um, so yeah, I don't think anyone was expecting that because it's been a lot more active in the last few years. Um, but yeah, Titans stand pat. Byard was the only move. And um, I I'm in between surprised and unsurprised, you know? Because it would have been a tough sell to get Tannehill out, considering that he's injured. Um, and who is it? You know, they got like, who did Minnesota pick up? Josh Dobbs. That seems like yeah, they, kind of the play they were always Arizona make. traded them. Dobbs, yeah. So yeah, I, I didn't see Tannehill being traded to um, to Minnesota because I don't know who because whoever Tannehill gets traded to. They have to pay his $15 million contract this year. And he's still injured. I don't know who's going to be risking $15 million on an injured, aged quarterback. So um, it just didn't make any sense to me that people thought that was realistic. Uh, I am surprised, though. I'm a little surprised about Derrick Henry. I mean, I'm happy. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm happy he's with the team. Um, But I was a little surprised about that. I was a little surprised that just nothing else happened i would have thought we would have traded somebody but uh i I, I don't know color me shocked i'm a little surprised by it um but did you see the we'll get into this and then we'll get into the game did you see the the little headline uh that was going around on twitter that the titans and the ravens did have like a trade on the table, both both ter- both sides agreed to terms for Derrick Henry, and then Amy Adams Strunk uh, vetoed it. And the the Ravens subreddit was just fucking in shambles, dude. Uh, the Ravens fans losing their goddamn minds about that. It was just uh, that, that that was my little trade deadline treat to me. That was that was a little gift for us. Yeah, dude, I love that. Fuck the Ratbirds. Seeing their fans <laughs> incensed over something like that was just hilarious. Like one of the most. Uh, unself-aware comments that I saw on their subreddit was, you know, they wouldn't trade Henry. I don't know why they even want to keep him. Like, why the fuck would you want him? <laughs> what are you talking about? That yeah. makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> exactly. It, <laughs> oh, God. So I'm just, I'm just happy that we didn't do anything, but somehow found a way to just 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 gaslight and <laughs> fuck with the Ravens organizations. And apparently the next day I saw Paul Kaharski tweeted that that actually never really happened. So I don't know if that was true or not, but either way you can't take away that emotional damage that it caused. So yeah, I'm, I'm like Fox Mulder. I want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so good. Uh, <laughs> 
Oh my god, I love that. I'm, I have a billion X Files jokes running through my head that I can't sort through right now. But uh, there was never a trade, Scully. Um, that's, that's so good. Anyways, okay, getting into the Thursday night game, Tennessee Titans heading up to Pittsburgh to play against the Steelers. Uh, I did see Mika Fitzpatrick is, has been ruled out for this game. Tannehill has officially been ruled out for this game. Will Levis will be the starter. Uh, looking at what the spread is, the Steelers are favored at minus two and a half. And there is a point total of 36 and a half points. Uh, how do you feel going into the Steelers game on Thursday? I feel um, I, I don't want to like beat a dead horse for every kind of preview that we have but it, it seems like a low scoring game uh, I don't know how I can fight it because the Steelers have a, v- a very good defense even without Minka um, their front seven is really really good uh, don't have to talk about TJ Watt too much um, because he's he's a tier one kind of player and their offense is pretty mid uh, Pickett's gonna play which is a boon for them because we all know uh <laughs> We all know the talent level of Mitch Trubisky. Uh, no one's scared of him, but I don't, I don't think many people are really biting their nails over Kenny Pickett either. Um, their running game has been flat, so flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Jalen Warren out touching Najee Harris some weeks. Like, what is happening over there? Uh, I haven't watched enough Steelers game to to like give you a, a more educated guess than the fact that their offense is just piss water. Yeah, I I feel I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Will Levis is giving me hype, but if we lose, I'm not gonna be upset. But uh, and that's probably like a discussion to have next week about like expectations or Will Levis going forward. But I, you make some good points. I think it's going to be, I, not that I think Will Levis is gonna be bad or anything, but I just feel like we saw his ceiling for the year, not like his ceiling as a professional player overall, but just his ceiling for the year. Um, and I just don't know if he's going to have like back to back monster games like that. I think you might, you know, we might, especially on a short week too. I, that's the thing that, that gets me the most is that he just had two weeks to prepare for the Falcons. And now he's getting a handful of days to prep for the Steelers. That's the thing that, I think it's going to be like the, the, the Achilles heel for this game. It's a short turnaround for the rookie. So um, I think it's going to be like a fun experiment from a spectator just to kind of see, all right, how does the kid handle this shit? But I, I, I'm predict. I, I'm not expecting a win. I'll be happy with that. So I guess I'm saying that we might lose, but I won't be upset if we do lose. Yeah. I mean, I'm, um... I'm going to be sad if we lose because I always am. But yeah, I wouldn't be exactly surprised uh, because of the circumstances. Uh, You hit the nail on the head with it being a short week and after um, the bye week to prepare for the Falcons. Um, So I I guess we'll really see. This is like a big test for Will Levis um, and his ability to prepare for a new opponent because the defenses are quite different where the Falcons are really good in the secondary and the back end. Uh, the Steelers are kind of inverse without Minka Fitzpatrick. And another thing that I picked up while watching a bunch of, of uh, Willis content uh, this Halloween instead of horror movies was that the Fa- the uh, the Falcons play a lot of like quarters coverage and he tore them up. But when they played cover two, he kind of missed those little honey holes, the seam routes, those, those out route, those deep outs. 
um, where guys are open. And apparently the Steelers play a ton of cover too, especially on longer uh, to go downs. So this will be a testament to see if, if Levis is a quick study and he can pick up on those things and, uh, and learn to hit those routes in a, just a couple of days and really um, elevate his game. I can say that I wouldn't go in expecting it. I think we might see like more of an average performance, 200 yards, two touchdowns, a pick, whatever. Um, as long as he doesn't look really bad and we have these and we're back on the roller coaster, um, I, I think I'll be I'll be content with with the outcome. Yeah, honestly, if it's that stat line we just said, two touchdowns, one interception, 200 yards, I will be happy with that. I'm I'm still more I'm not exactly looking I'm not grading Will Levis on wins and losses right now. I'm still like grading on, uh, you know, the eye test, you know, is he, uh, I'm, I'm going to be expecting for, cause I didn't really see many rookie mistakes in that first game besides just being a little bit greedy and not hitting like the obvious guys that were wide open in the middle of the field. Um, so I'm going to be expecting probably some sort of like rookie derp to happen in this game because I feel like he's due one. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so, but as long as he's not dog shit, because and I can't help but to compare him to Mariota because it's like the last QB prospect we had. And he had Mariota had like an awesome game. And then he went to Cleveland and had a horrible fucking game against them in which like we lost. I think the whole game was just field goals, but still we lost because he looked bad. And I think it was like Johnny Menzel's like only win ever or something like that. So, uh, Ugh, so yeah. wow, that's bad. Yeah. So for this, if we lose, whatever. But it's like, how did we lose? Did we lose because Will Levis played awful, or like was he playing? Was he competitive? And we kind of he just we just lost for whatever reason. So that's what I'll be looking at, looking for. Yeah, that's kind of the benchmark right now. Um, establish a baseline kind of deal because this is a, a, almost as bad as the situation gets for a rookie. The short week on the road in prime time, national television. He's already against been a coach. against a really yeah. well coached team. I mean, Mike Tomlin is a Hall of Fame coach already, um, and he's still got years ahead of him. So, yeah, this is this is a really tough one. I think it's sneakily tough and. He's already got a little taste of the limelight, so we got to make sure it doesn't go to his head. Which is probably what Vrabel is thinking. Like, dude, you got to think the long term here. Um, this is a big one for his development, and it's kind of a baptism by fire uh, coming into this. This is what kind of telegraphing why I want him to start the rest of the season, no matter if Tannehill's healthy or not, because you learn better when you're when you're forced to do it. You can do it in practice. You can watch the film. You can be like this mental samurai. But until you get out in the field and actually experience those in real time, um, it, it's there's no other there's no other way to know if you have it in you. You know, like I can I can think I was thinking about this today actually when I was when I was at work I was like uh, for those of you who don't know I work in healthcare and when I came out of school it was summer of 2020. And I got thrown straight into a hospital on fire. Um, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a crucible of people that can handle that pressure and, and become better you know, professionals out of it. 
versus people that are like, oh, I can't handle this. It's not for me. Um, I've really valued that experience as terrible as it was. Um, I think it made me a better clinician. But the same would be true for Levis. Throw him in there. He doesn't have a way out. Say you're starting. You have a bad game. Guess what? You're starting the next one. You have a good game. Awesome. Do it again. Um, that's that's something that I think is really going to be important for his development. Yeah, I absolutely agree. He he has to, like you said, <laughs> the 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 baptism by fire. He has to be able to he he has to be able to make the mistakes and not worry. He's going to lose his job this season too, which is like I hate I. I understand why Vrabel's doing it, but I I even hate that he's allowing the 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 possibility of Tannehill to come back if he's healthy, because I don't know I, I like I guess that maybe that puts a little bit of pressure on Levis to perform, but I like everything you said. I feel like he needs to be able to know that like he's going to make mistakes and that, but that doesn't mean he's going to lose his job. But it means he has to learn from it. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think that he sh- she, he should just be the guy for for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see how he plays. Uh, and not just him though. You know, this this isn't just you know, this is a team sport. It can't be just him that has to be good. The O line needs to be good as well. Uh, Derrick Henry and Spears need to be running the ball well too, which comes back to the line. Chig needs to be catching the balls. Burks needs to get involved too. So. Uh, no notes for D Hop. Just keep doing it. Uh, he's he's probably been the the most consistent player. I think. I mean, he's had quiet weeks, but that's because of the quarterback play. Like Tannehill has always been able to feed him the ball when he was able to throw it. So, um, and that was something that that D Hop and both Will Levis said in when they're talking about preparing for the game against the Falcons is that yeah, you know, Levis is like D Hop told me to just trust him, so I trust him. So I'm just going to throw it. You know his direction and just, just trust my guy to, to get open. And that's kind of how that first, that very first touchdown happened. It wasn't directly to D hop. He threw it in his direction and then D hop went and got it. So, uh, I don't know, trust the process. And I'm, I'm expect, I'm expecting us to not outright win, but I'll be thrilled if we do, of course. Yeah. Uh, D hops going to be a very important person to get the ball to, um, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, he's he's got to have that relationship keep keep blossoming because he's the, he's going to be Will Levis's best friend um, throughout throughout his time in Tennessee. Uh, as long as D Hop and Levis are here together, they need to have that connection because that is the clearest and most obvious way for him to succeed. You know, uh, I think some of the times rookie quarterbacks with talent struggle is because they don't have a good guy to throw to. Uh, but you think about the good the good pairings you have, you know, when Mahomes was starting out, like he wasn't the best player in the world. Initially he made some mistakes, but he had Tyreek Hill and he had um, Travis Kelsey. He had these guys that he could trust. You have Keenan Allen over in uh, LA. You have Stefan Diggs for, for Josh Allen. Um, so that's when Allen got good, that's, that's when, when he got good. Diggs exactly. Over there. Exactly. Um, so it's a, uh, I think he really needs to focus on that because if you start getting confidence by throwing to DeAndre Hopkins or a player like him where you just trust him on that deep ball, the first touchdown, he was not open. He just was like, fuck it. It's DeAndre. I'm going to throw it. He's the best deep ball catcher in the league. Why not? And he, and he rewarded him. 
And that had to have been a huge confidence boost for the rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like that, that, that mutual relationship too. Cause besides it boosting Will Levis, it's, you know, getting Deandre to be like, all right, fuck yeah. Like this dude actually trust me. I'm going to go out there and <laughs> I want to go out there and like really, you know, shine and go out there and just, just really just, just go for like these, these go routes and everything. So, um, I don't know if any more thoughts on on this on this upcoming game on Thursday. I'm stoked for it. Uh, part of me is like, ha- I'm happy it's a short week because it's like, fuck yeah, I finally get to like see them play again. But I'm also like nervous about <laughs> all the young guys for it. Yeah, I'm a little uh, I'm a little sad it's a short week this time because I have uh, a rehearsal and rehearsal dinner to go to on Thursday. So I'm gonna have to be like sneaking my f- sneaking peeks at my phone or just I guess probably watch the replay more realistically. <laughs> Uh, so don't don't text me during the game. I don't want to fucking know. Okay. <laughs> it's actually good to know. That's good information. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that, and then you can just watch it on Friday. Yeah, Friday morning. I'm just gonna queue it up, and uh, yeah, I oh, hope it's so a jealous. I hope it's a good morning. Your day off now. <laughs> I think that's all I have on the docket for today. Uh, I know we we went a little bit longer than normal, but uh, we had a lot of stuff to be excited and to talk about, and. Um, I'm happy Derek Henry is part of the team just to say that again. And I hope that this means that they, if he continues to play at the level he's at right now, I hope this means that they're considering extending him for a year or two, because I, I'll be a little upset if they don't do that and didn't try to get picks out of him this year. I don't know. Anyways, that, that's my take about the Derek Henry thing. Uh, didn't mean to start a whole conversation about that. But yeah, well, uh, we, we can talk more about that as the season comes to a close or in the off season, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I have thoughts on that too. Yeah. Alrighty. We'll go ahead and close out here. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to two tone brews and unaffiliated Tennessee Titans podcast. Um, be sure you can follow us on Twitter at two tone brews and be sure to share us with friends and family. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Listen to this custom clip that I made 15 minutes before we hopped on. See ya. Adios. With the Tennessee Oilers, red, white, and blue. With the Tennessee Oilers, gonna get all over you. Levis off the fake, looking for Hopkins. He's got it. Touchdown, Tennessee. With the Tennessee Oilers, red, white, and blue. With the Tennessee Oilers, gonna get all over you. Yeah, the Tennessee.